Salesflare and this is Founder Coffee. Every two weeks I have coffee with a different founder. We discuss life, passions, learnings in an intimate talk, getting to know the person behind the company. For the second episode, I talked with Hubert Palan of Product Board. I met Hubert about a year and a half ago at TechCrunch Disrupt at San Francisco and I've been considering using Product Board to professionalize product management at Salesflare ever since. Hubert is a product guy and a thinker at heart. His vision is more excellent products through better product management. We mainly talk about what motivates him, how he manages product board, and where he looks for inspiration. Welcome to Founder Coffee. Hi Hubert, great to have you on Founder Coffee. Hi. You are founder of Product Board. For those who don't know uh, Product Board yet, what, what does your company do? Sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Uh, this is this is a pleasure. Uh, at Product Board, we help product teams and product makers make really excellent products, um, products that matter to people, and that's kind of a visionary statement. What it means in uh, in, in in day to day is that um, our customers, product teams, at some of the leading companies out there, use us to centralize research and user feedback and uh, understand um, what really matters to their customers by the means of you know having a centralized repository for insights from the market and customers and prospects and what sales team is hearing, what customer success or customer support team, professional services teams are hearing. And then based on that, uh, prioritize ideas, feature requirements, organize them in a hierarchy that's actually manageable, unlike, you know, flat backlog somewhere in, in Jira, you can create an organized, uh, organized hierarchy in product board and then put it on the roadmap and make sure that everyone around the company is, is aligned um, about what's being built and why. Um, and uh, we also have a portal that can, you know, customers can set up, our customers can set up to collect uh, insights from their customers kind of without doing the interviews or without uh, talking with customers directly. So it kind of helps you collect the insights at scale. Yeah. Cool. So, so in short, it, uh, it kind of centralizes and professionalizes product. It's a CRM. It's a CRM for product management. Yeah. If you, if you want to put it in a very short way. So, you know, product managers at Zendesk or Shopify or our customers. And, uh, that's their go-to tool. Every day they go there and they go to find out what's new, what customers are saying. If they want to make a prioritization decision, they see all the features that are being considered and then ultimately you know, what's the prioritized, what's the status, how it's progressing. Um, so it's product brain of the company. Yeah, and you don't need to use different tools to manage all these things. Correct. Yeah. No spreadsheets, no PowerPoints, no you know, Evernote notes, emails floating everywhere. It's all in one place. Got it. Is your per personal background in uh, product management or? Yeah, so I mean, I got, I got masters in computer science and software engineering and then MBA at Berkeley. So I kind of like bridged the tech and business world. And I spent several years in kind of like product management roles, first in consulting um, at Accenture in, in Prague, but then here after business school uh, in the Valley, a couple of startups, and then uh, at the company called Data, where I grew to be uh, VP of products. And so 
that's that's the reason why Fredboard exists because I was a product manager myself and I kind of understood the pain. Yeah. And I figured, hey, let's change that. Yeah. You know, let's solve the pain. At what exact moment was it that you decided to start product board? What what were you working on? Where were you with whom? Sure. Yeah, I mean you said you wanted to go personal and deeper, so <laughs> <laughs> let me let me start let me start there because you know I, I've always been inspired by people who create great products and like really excellent products who resonate with people, not just on the functional level, not just on like, okay, this works well but also on the emotional level, on the level where it actually invokes positive emotions. And so I read all the books and everything I could find on people like Steve Jobs, obviously, but also Phil Knight at Nike and, and you know, Disney as a company and, uh, and uh, even, other, even, even other CEOs of uh, fast-growing uh, startups, and especially those that have some strong brand or like, you know, have some emotional appeal. And, uh, and the inspiration for me was like, I always thought, what did, what did it must have been like when Steve Jobs walked on the stage and launched the first iPhone? And I know that, you know, Apple is obviously overused analogy, but the, the thought there was like, what was, how was the sense of pride and fulfillment and accomplishment? Because the whole team knew that this is going to fundamentally change lives of so many people. Mm-hmm. And the reason why they knew was because they really understood very well the needs of the customers because they spent so many times analyzing and prototyping and testing and, you know, tinkering with so many different versions. And they really put a lot of effort and a lot of focus into creating something delightful. And that's, that's something that I always was wondering. And then when I, you know, after business school and after Steve Blank, the founder of Lean Startup was my, was my professor at, at Berkeley and, uh, so it was the whole lean startup movement was happening and get out of the building and talk with customers and all that. And, and I got super excited. And then I, uh, then I, you know, kind of the reality hit here and I started discovering what it's really like at many of the companies here, even in the, in the heart of Silicon Valley. And I, and I found that most companies are driven by sales. Like, Hey, we sold the deal and you know, there's a feature request and let's just yeah. like build it, whatever, or by engineering, where you're building stuff just because you think it's cool, but you don't really know whether someone needs it. Totally. And, uh, and uh, in the company where I was at, uh, Good Data, and we were building, we were building cool BI platform, uh, but the culture was predominantly sales culture. And I was frustrated by that. I wanted to kind of make sure that the decisions are based on understanding the understanding of real customer needs as opposed to what was sold by you know, the, the sales team that just, they would sell it to anybody. Yeah. And so that's, that was the inspiration. The inspiration was, Hey, let's, let's create a system. And of course, like if you have a founder who just tells you shut up and this is what you need to do. And Mm -hmm. you know, that's how product management is done. Then you're kind of stuck and you first need to figure out how to, you know, um, like create a moment of revelation uh, or, or, uh, or uh, like enlightenment first and then, you know, slowly go and change the culture throughout the company and change it into kind of the product driven, the customer driven, right? Uh, make sure that you understand the in- that you have the deep insight and that you have solid product strategy and then you can execute. Um, anyway, long, long answer, but that was the motivation. So, you know, the, the company where I was at was a 
B2B SaaS company, $100 million or $75 million by the, raised by the time I, I left and, and recent mm-hmm. Horowitz and top investors. And I go to see many of our customers' um, business because we're a BI platform. So I would interact on a daily basis with senior leadership at our companies who are analyzing their own businesses. And so I go to see how they operate and how they run their product teams as well. Yeah. Um, and so that was the motivation. I thought like, you know, come on, like we have all these task management tools like Jira and Google Tracker that are great for engineering, but there's nothing that would help you with deciding what should be on top of the backlog in the first place. Yeah, exactly. You have a tool to manage your customers, want to manage your development, but the product management kind of falls in between. Yeah. Like where, where's the system where you have, you know, in, in the most engineering task management systems, you have, you have like entities in the logical model like features, story, tasks, you know, it's all solution-centric. It's all, okay, here's the solution space, here are all the features that you want to build, let's break them down into manageable chunks and let's put, push them through the engineering pipeline. Mm-hmm. But there is no entity of a customer, of, uh, of a need or problem, of an importance or urgency, you know, a competitor, like not, not, none of the stuff that product management is tracking isn't represented in the fundamental under, you know, in, in, in the logical uh, data model of those systems. Mm-hmm. You have some of the stuff in CRM systems, like, like you know, there, there you have customers, but it's very sales-focused. It's about what, what happens before they become customer and it's, you know, the, the, the stages and so on. Um, yeah. So that was the motivation. Uh, yeah. That was the motivation for me. Create a system that will, you know, I told that story with Steve Jobs, like create a system that will help people have this little bit sense of pride and accomplishment for every feature that you launch as a product, product person. You know, have something that will back your decisions, have something that will give you confidence or something that will create transparency around the whole team. Um, and I mean, look, like during the process of building products, people make decisions throughout the whole like, development life cycle. In the product mm-hmm. development lifecycle, from the initial research stages, and then you know design and, and, and testing and development and product marketing and you know, the whole go-to-market. And if everyone throughout this lifecycle isn't very or like isn't very well aligned around what are the needs of the customers, and if the, if if all the people don't understand very well the customers what matters to them, mm-hmm. then they will inevitably make the wrong decisions throughout the product development process. Like, you know, maybe they choose the wrong copyright, copy in, in the UX because, you know, they don't understand the tone that, that they should be talking about. Maybe they um, design the feature in a little different way that, that is optimal or that because they don't understand how, you know, especially if the designer is not the user if you're building like a B2B system and, you know, you're designing system for someone who is not you then it's more difficult. And so um, creating this shared understanding for everyone on the team, only then the excellent products can happen. Um, yeah. It's a nice And I, 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 talk, I talked to a guy who was at a, he's an advisor of mine, and he was at Apple 20 years ago. He was on a QA team there. And he said, look, the difference, the difference there was that typically the QA quality assurance team the responsibility is, look, here's the spec and test it against the spec, right? Does it work as specified? Mm-hmm. He said that the difference there when he was there was that his job wasn't to sign off on the spec. His job was to sign off on 
is the customer going to use it the way it's built? Yeah. And that creates a very different mindset because suddenly you are asked to think about the, what, what matters to the customers and, and you know, the real use case, the real flow, as opposed to just what, what's in the spec. And so it's a subtle shift, but it's, it has major implications no, if you create a culture like that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we, 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 we try to cope with it personally by uh, we have issues and features uh, yes. and that, that is uh, understandable for, for development teams. Uh, but then there's, there's uh, a, a, an, an in-between point uh, where it's not broken. It's not an, uh, like uh, we, we intend to make it like that, but there's this uh, a UX improvement, we call it. Uh, mm-hmm. And this is a, a, a different type of, uh, of development jobs we have is actually making uh-huh. sure that we built it the way that people will actually uh, use it or adapt it the way they would like to, you know. Um, yeah. And we take these things more seriously than, 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 than issues even sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Good. <laughs> Glad yeah. to hear well, that. We're still doing it without <laughs> product board, but we're looking at it. <laughs> Sure. You know, you'll come around eventually. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone will. Have you, have you always known that you wanted to do a, uh, a startup or is it something that, that's, that just came when you were at that BI company? What was the name actually of the BI um, company? Good data. Good, good data. data. They're, they're still around. Yep. We use them. I mean, you know, that there's, there's some very relevant use cases. Um, yeah. You know, they have, they well, have a good product for some of them. Um, the, I don't know. I mean, have I always known? Of course I didn't know. Like, you know, no. like anything in, well, in, in life, like, are you asking me at the age of eight? Did you know that? Uh, always, I know. But always, I mean, uh, from the moment you were actually thinking uh, about professional stuff. Is it something like, I want to start my own company or did, did this just come at some moment? You're like, I need to break out and, and start a company. Yeah, I mean, I think that it was... It was on the back of my mind, but you know, the, the environment where I grew up, like I grew up in Czechoslovakia and then Czech Republic, right? Yeah. I'm almost 40, I'll be 40 this year. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't the most entrepreneurial culture to start with, right? So when I get, when I got out of college or my, or my masters, um, I, you know, was like, Hey, what am I going to do? You know, I, I, I studied computer science. So I, you know, I wanted to be in the digital world. But then I, and I feel like I want to see how companies are run and how, how companies operate. And that's why I went to consulting and, and I joined Accenture as, mm-hmm. as like a system integration consulting and then, and then switched to like business strategy consulting, but still within, you know, in the, in the technical realm. And, uh, and then I, then when, when that, at that moment when I, when I, I started like seeing how it works at like banks and insurance companies and these are like large large corporations, right? Then I feel like, oh my God, this is, this is terrible and things can be done so much better. And that was a motivation for me to like, okay, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build my own company one day. And I hated, you know, politics and I hated, I always wanted to be at a company where everyone, including the, the janitors, would be proud to, to be working for the company. Yeah. And where, where people would be identified with the vision and mission and, uh, and, you know, what, I mean, I, I never understood people who work at companies just for the money. Mm-hmm. It's like, why don't you go do something that you actually love and make money? Of course, like in our world, we're, we're lucky in that sense that 
you know, if you're a, if you're an artist, it's it's harder, right, to to, to make money mm-hmm. doing what you love. Um, in in tech, obviously, that's that's kind of you, you get both. Yeah. Um, yeah, we can do what we love and and earn money if we're successful. Well, right. the, the it's a big if, but <laughs> they're also there, but they're much smaller. Yeah, yeah. The scale—it's—it's it's the aspect of scale. Yeah. Um, so. And, and it's maybe also more objective than being an artist. As an artist, you create something, and if you can convince people that it's nice, well, well, probably in our trade, there's much more of a—if you build a nice product, at least you have a bigger chance of being successful. Or don't you think so? Do you Should, think it's all marketing? No, no, no. I, I mean, I, I think that in products, the, the, the art, that's kind of the emotional side. And, you know, you create, you kind of create, taste is acquired, but it's also, you can also, you can also influence taste of other people. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're consistent, if you have a strong vision and, you know, um, so... So yeah, so I, I mean, I, I mean, I, can, I like creating things that are practical, not just you know like both functional and emotional yeah. that solve problems. And so that's why I mean I, you know I, I love art and architecture and design just like as a discipline. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, I want to see it applied to something that advances, you know, people's lives. Um, so yeah. You, you started as a as a business consultant, and you like art and architecture. Is this something that comes from your family or parents, or? Yeah, probably. I mean, so now we're going really deep. Uh, I mean, my my great grandfather was a diplomat, and uh, yeah. you know, he he died in concentration camp during the Nazi Germany. Mm-hmm. And then my mom, my mom was in marketing. Um, oh, okay. She ran marketing for Hewlett Packard. Czech Republic, Slovakia, mm-hmm. and then uh, Olympus. And so I, I, I've always thought about the soft side of things more than your typical techie guy. Um, yeah, and like empathy and emotions. I, you know, in product management, I just, I just think it's so important. And I, and, uh, I talk to many product managers that are analytical and, you know, kind of very... Again, functional oriented. Let's solve the problem, mm-hmm. but they're forgetting. And look, look at the, look at the companies around us. There's there's not that many companies, especially in Silicon Valley. I actually think that fast moving moving consumer good good companies, you know, the PNGs and so on, they're much better in general in the in the discipline of product management. And they've been doing research and making sure that they understand the needs and they've been thinking about emotions. But in the tech world. It hasn't been the case. Even even brands like big big successful companies like Salesforce, they have huge followership. But the, if if I say Salesforce, does it make you feel warm and fuzzy or something? You know, like it's it's not like if I say Nike, you have an emotional reaction. If I say Apple, you have an emotional reaction. Zendesk had 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 a great brand with the, with the Buddha and kind of Zen because that resonated so well with the with the customer support people, right? Where you're under stress and people complain unless your product is excellent uh, or service. Yeah. Uh, but there's no that Intercom is doing a great job. It's like being human, you know, but there's not that many companies like that. The, 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 the kind of traditional brand emotional marketing in a, in a, in a good sense, in, in mm-hmm. a good sense of, in a good 
meaning of the word um, hasn't been you know you don't see it that, that much it's okay it's it's the functional benefits mostly. yeah yeah maybe um, maybe that has a bit to do with uh, the the type of companies are marketing to if you like Salesforce you market to enterprises they find specs list interesting well small companies will go much more for the more consumer type kind of marketing uh, sure. where you have emotions and yeah and not I mean yeah and then why or something you know totally I get it and I you know I, I of course you can say that in enterprise and in B2B the customer is not the the user like the buyer is not the user and therefore it's much more about functional requirements and and of course it is it is the case if you're selling large enterprise deals you're dealing with procurement people and you know, that's, a, that's a different persona at the same time I think that the consumerization consumerization of the enterprise is happening and like I just read this article just last week in HBR Harvard Business Review um, it's, it was like a pyramid of needs and you still have the, the emotional aspects high up, right? Like the, the sense of pride and, and uh, showing others that you're competent and just like striving at your job and feeling amazing. It's, it's important even in the enterprise. And I, and I think that it's changing more and more. Mm-hmm. And, and you see it. The, the really in the long term, the user experience, I believe, is the only sustainable competitive advantage. Because functional aspects can be copied and are being copied yeah. more and more and faster and faster. Uh, but the, the emotional piece, the, the appeal, how it makes you feel and what you kind of believe in while you're using the tool, that's something that's much, much harder to, to mm-hmm. copy. And, and look at Apple. That's been their, that's been their play all, all along. I think that's, that's, you know, of course, the products are... are great in terms of functionality as well but the emotional appeal the 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 delight that it creates that's the and and of course it's a different segment there's multiple segments in the market not everyone uh, is 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 their ideal target customer and not not everyone cares about that but for the segment that they go after it matters a lot and then you know it's just just you match the features but you don't match the the emotional appeal yeah, you know, people are not gonna switch. Cool. Which other uh, startup or founder do you do you look up to, uh, and and why is that? I mean, I mentioned the kind of the big guys, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the 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 big successful companies because there's a there's a long history of what you can study, mm-hmm. and there's a history of okay what they did and how it turned out and and of course the hindsight hindsight is always 2020 and you kind of forget the the bad things and you know maybe you connect the dots in a in a more idealistic way that it really happened yeah. but still there's 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 more to study so so that's why i mentioned companies um like nike apple and and uh, and uh, even uh, i mentioned zendesk and, and intercom yeah um that's inspire. I mean, you know, intercom team is inspiring to me. The um, the I'll, I'll also look though like to companies that are in different um, different industries, not necessarily just okay who's, who's around here in the valley. But I, you know, I I put together this uh, blog post that is on my it's on my medium. I collected uh, I collected videos of like. 
20 top unicorn companies, CEOs. Mm -hmm. And I put it all on the, on this one feed and I, and I watched it. Uh, I mean, I really wanted to see how the CEOs and founders of all these top companies, maybe it was 40, I don't remember, uh, how they are. And I wanted to see them. I wanted to see them speak in uh, real life because there's so much more you can kind of get, you know, the yeah. sense of the, of who they are as, 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 as people. So, um, so, you know, you'll be, you'll be happy to follow this series as well. Then I, I, I um, uh, the founder of intercom, well, one of them, at least as a trainer is also going to be on. Yeah. Um, I know. I know this. This is great. It's going to be cool. Yeah. Um, I, you know, look, I just read this book uh, called mastery mm -hmm. and there's, um, uh, there's a lot of examples and case studies about like the biggest people uh, overall, right? There's like, uh, like, um, um, uh, like the, the biggest inventors and, and like stories of, of um, like the biggest people of humanity, right? Like, uh, mm -hmm. um, <sighs> Anyway, so I, I, I wanted to say that I look for examples of people that I know were uh, amazing and I spend more time studying them. Uh, and, you know, I obviously see, see founders around me who I think are, are real and, and good people. Uh, but for me personally, the biggest inspiration comes from people that really dedicated their lives. And, you know, whether it's in medicine or architecture or, or biology, it doesn't matter. But the passion and the, the focus and the excitement with, with which they live their lives and how they really stay focused. And, you know, they didn't waste their life doing things that are not important or just like you know, yeah. fun. They, they, really, they really realize that life is short and that, you know, we need to work hard. And so, so writers and uh, artists, like... The, the, the sense of, again, it comes down to excellence for me and the, and the strive for excellence in everything that you do. Um, yeah, so sorry that I didn't give you examples of, uh, of uh, you know, like recent, recent startup founders that, that I find inspiring. Um, but like Darwin was super inspiring to me. Um, you know, like yeah. what he did and the, the persistence. Yeah. That's cool. So in, in terms of uh, how this reflects on your ambitious, where, is, where, where do you want to go with product board? Uh, is, it, is it you want to make it really big or you want? To <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, think, I think, you know, we are, we are creating a whole new category because this is a, this is a uh, the product management discipline is, is at the heart of every company, whether you're creating like digital products or physical products or even services, you, you are combining the, the deep customer insight, the, your strategic approach to how you're going to get to where, where you want to go, like how you're going to follow the vision, the, the picture perspective, mm -hmm. and then the execution. And, and in every company, there's people who are making like product decisions, right? Um, and, and it doesn't have to be necessarily someone who has a product manager, product manager title, um, but there are people who make product decisions. And so I think that the, the market for us is, um, is huge in the sense that 
when you know we have customers who are not just digital. Our ideal customers are people who are making digital products. Mm-hmm. You know, don't take me wrong. Like you know, SaaS product or e-commerce platform, or you're building an app, and kind of the fact that software is eating the world and that everything's being digitized helps helps us. And there's a lot of digital product managers, but we even have customers who like an RV manufacturer up in Canada or exoskeleton device company because, you know, uh, physical products, you collect feedback and you improve them as well. You have more constraints. Uh, so, so the reason why I'm saying it is that, that, that the market in this sense is, is, is big and product management is kind of one of the last functions in a company that hasn't had a very good um, tools, tool set, right? Like the, if you look at, you have CRMs and you have, you know, engineering task management tools and you have like Workday is in the HR realm, right? And then you have obviously all the um, like analytics, business intelligence mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, then you have marketing automation, you have customer success. All these fields have a dedicated software to, to help you do the job better. But product management doesn't. Product management has been stuck, and so so I think that we have a potential to be yeah. to really own this category. Product excellence. It's I I want companies to think about product management as product excellence. So so because yeah, your your you your ambition is basically to uh, professionalize product management and and have the world with great products. Like yeah, there is there is a. It's it's a discipline. Like, look, you are in, you are, you are you're an expert in sales, right? Think before CRM, how sales was done. You would have a spreadsheet, you would have a Rolodex, you would have like you know business cards, and you would you would just like try not to forget things. And then CRMs, um, customer relationship management systems, standardized the process, created transparency, increased predictability, lowered the risk that you're not gonna hit your number because you have a system in place and of course you always have like genius outliers you know who, who will sell uh, because they're they're just you know charming and and, and uh, they are they are the outliers but most most of your sales team is gonna sell well if they have a good process if they're consistent and if they do the hard work right and then you follow up and you do the day-to-day and in product management, it's the same thing. I'm not saying that because of a system, you will suddenly turn into Apple and you will be churning out the, the best of the best products. But I'm saying that, that thanks to a solution like Product Board for product excellence, yeah. the chances of uh, the chances of launching to the to the market better products and the chances of increasing eliminate the risk and uh, increasing the predictability of success are going to go up Mm -hmm. like in sales, like in customer support, like, you know, if you suddenly have a system, it's organized and transparency. If a product manager leaves your team, the knowledge stays in the company and doesn't walk out of the door, you know, all that is contributing. So, um, so that's, you know, that, that's, that's, I think is a, is a big opportunity for us. Yeah, totally. Oh, it's it's very nice. Uh, it would be it would be great if if more software products would would actually uh, be be better products. 
Yeah, I, you know, I tell you what, I, software is hard in the sense that it has much lower constraints than hardware products. Because if you have, you know, I mean, there's this joke in, in the design world, right? There's always this picture floating around with a remote, of a remote control with 100 buttons of it or whatever, 20 buttons on it. And that really, you need just two to change the channels and change the volume or something like that. Um, and, and so, of course, this, the, the, you, you can kind of screw up and you can create an overcomplicated product even in the physical world. But in the software world, you don't have the physical boundaries and it, and it feels easy and cheap to just shove another feature into the product and kind of think like, that's okay, you know, not everyone will use it. Uh, and that's the danger and that's why it's harder because the constraints are much more relaxed. And I mean, you know, if you do it right, you can actually create infinite variations of your product and the user experience wouldn't be impacted for any of the customer segments that you're serving as long as they wouldn't be exposed to the complexity of all the different variations. Mm -hmm. uh, the only problem is, and, and it is like theoretically achievable, the only problem is that it's very difficult to create a product like that and make sure that you know, the, the features are really hidden completely so that you don't end up with like, you know, the ribbon in Microsoft Office, right? Where you have like so much mm -hmm. stuff and you don't need most of it. So if, if, if I didn't see it, if I'm not the type of customer who needs it, I shouldn't even see it. And then it's fine. Um, but that's not the reality. That's not how the software products are built these days. Yeah. yeah, they're more, more built to uh, show a lot of features that people are looking for instead of, make it easy to actually use those features. Yeah, most products, not all of them. They're, yeah. They're exceptions, but most. Yeah, yeah, of course. Cool. Do you think that if you win the lottery tomorrow, you'd still be working at product boards? Or um, uh, would you choose to do something else? It's like, it's a baby. And you know it as a founder, it's your baby and you, uh, you want to see it grow up. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I want to see it grow up. I, you know, if I win a lottery, uh, I might raise less money from VCs and put, <laughs> put the, the lottery win, winning into my, my company. Um, but uh, I, I, you know, I really like what I'm doing. I, yeah. I believe in the vision. That's um, cool. Maybe I wouldn't. Maybe I wouldn't put like all my money. Into. I actually, you know, I I, I read the, um, the the previous interview that you did, and you guys talked about VC funding and all that. And I actually like the aspect of bringing VCs on, not just because of the money, but but I believe that your chances of succeeding are higher if you share the success or and if you involve more people and if you interest more people in your success. Mm -hmm. and, 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 I, and I found the investors that I've had so far helpful in that regard that, you know, more people are basically on your team and more people yeah. are trying hard. And of course, like it, it's got trade-offs and, you know, they, uh, basically it's like you're losing control and all that. But the fact that more people are, are invested into your success, I think it's a huge, huge deal. Yeah. Do you, th do you think they're really invested in your success? Are they not more invested <laughs> in their uh, overall portfolio than in specific cases? 
Well, I mean, their success is, I mean, of course, like they, they look at it, they look at it from portfolio perspective. Mm-hmm. They, they need someone in the portfolio to succeed. And then, you know, the portfolio math works out and they can, they can deliver the, the, uh, <clears throat> the ROI they promise to the investors. So mm-hmm. that's obviously driving, driving it. But that means that, I mean, they, they, they want you to succeed because they want you to be the successful company in the portfolio. Mm-hmm. So I know, I think that, I, I think that from that perspective, the incentives are aligned and I don't, I don't see, I don't see friction there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. What, 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 what is it that you're, you're busy with right now? What, what, what keeps you up at night lately? Like, what <laughs> I sleep well. I kind of managed to get my life under control and I, you know, I managed to distance myself from the stress, which obviously there's you know, huge business stress and so many things are happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. But I kind of told myself that if I'm going to be worried about it and if I'm going to be stressed out, and like, don't take me wrong, I, I, I was so stressed like in the early days of the company. There was so much pressure, right? And like everyone tells you, you're nuts. Like this is never going to work. And then uh, <laughs> well, I just joked about it. It's like, you have a baby, you just, you just had a new baby and you're walking around and showing it to people. And some people say, oh my God, this is, this is so beautiful and congratulations. And, you know, I wish you lots of health and so on. But with the early stage startup, unfortunately, there's more people who look at the baby and say, oh man, I'm sorry that the baby's so sick and you know, I, <laughs> it's, not looking, it's not looking good, right? And, and, and so you kind of need to... Uh, you need to get over it. But right now, I'm, uh, you know, we're doing well and we're growing. And, and so that, that stress went away uh, a little bit. And as I said, you know, I managed to distance myself from, from the day to day. And I, you know, I have a very strict schedule that I stick to. Um, like I planned all my work time, family time, uh, friend time. I have everything on my calendar. And I follow the schedule. And then I don't feel like... Um, you know, not attending to my family or vice versa to my business because yeah. I made the conscious decision how much time I'm going to dedicate to each. And uh, of course, it's, it's not ideal, right? Like, you know, I, it's, 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 sometimes you need, to, you need to break the rules. Um, but it just, gave, it just gives me this confidence that, okay, I, you, know, I, you know, I get up at five and I go for a run and then I go to the office and, and then I have, uh, you know, mornings that I have meetings. And then in the afternoon, I have like a block for our time. Uh, there's this great book uh, called The One Thing uh, that inspired me uh, for, to, to do all this. Um, and I have like an uninterrupted block of time for the most important thing that I'm working on uh, every day. And then, you know, I schedule time to wrap up and plan. And, and it just, it really helped me. I've been doing it for several months now. And I love it. Hey, what's uh, it made me, I think it's called The One Thing. And uh, who is it written uh, by? Any idea or should I look it up? I, I, don't, I don't remember it. Uh, okay, I will look it up. Hey, so so you, you get up at five, you said? Yeah, well, I mean, the book is Gary W. Keller and Jay Papasang, The One Thing. Oh, okay. Um, I... 
Yeah, because I mean, I'm here in San Francisco and we are distributed. And so my team is in, uh, part of the team is in Prague, the Czech Republic. Mm-hmm. And so I need to have a, you know, overlap with, uh, with Europe. And I mean, in SaaS business, like you have customers all around the world. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, that kind of dictates my schedule. Um, and so I, you know, I, I basically decided I'm going to get up, I'm going to be on the early morning schedule and then I'm going to you know, go to bed early. Um, and I also have a two-year-old baby boy, so you can't yeah. sleep in the morning anyway. Yeah. Um, so. Kind of aligned with the baby. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. What time do you yeah. go to bed then? Do you sleep eight hours or? I try to, yeah. yeah. So like I shoot for nine, uh, you know, Oftentimes it's 10, but I, I shoot for eight hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think it's, you know, you're more productive. Uh, and, in long, you know, and I, I've done my crazy, crazy years, right? Didn't sleep much and I saw the tall the physical, <clears throat> you know, penalty. And then you make more mistakes and you don't think so clearly. And yeah. it's not worth it. So mm-hmm. And I kind of came to terms like I said, look, when I work, I'm going to put the most and like best of my skills and effort into it. And I'm, and you know, at the end of the day, what I achieved is what I could have achieved. And like, of course you can always spend more time, but you can do it tomorrow and not, you know, instead of sleeping because, and again, if there's a big launch, like we had a big product hunt launch in, in November and you know, that, that was a, a big deadline and, you know, we didn't sleep and you know, all that, but that's like an exception uh, yeah. It's an exception. It's, you don't do that on a, on a regular basis. So, yeah. So, what do you do to to stay sane? You you go running. You said. Do yeah. You, um, things or also or is that the I, I, thing that works? I run. Yeah, I run. I run and I work out after my run. I there's like this little playground by by the lake. I run around and I do you know squats and push ups, pull ups, and all that stuff. And then, um, and then, I mean, the other relaxation is time with my kid and my wife. That's, yeah. you know, that's, it's, it's amazing. Um, yeah. Cool. It's a different world. And my wife, she's a nurse practitioner, which is mm-hmm. it's kind of like a physician, you know, family, family doctor. And, uh, that gives me also a perspective because I come from work and I, you know, and I complain like, oh, you know, like this customer is making it so difficult and the legal contracts, it's, it's, you know, there's so much friction and or like I had a bad interview with someone and, you know, she looks at me and she tells me how people are struggling in their lives and dying and, you know, yeah. it's a completely different perspective. And so that keeps me in check as well. Um, yeah. It's kind of like brings me to reality and, and it's not just about, you know, making products, obviously, and the vision that I have is, is uh, it's, it's a big vision, but uh, at the end of the day, you're, you're in a society with the people. And or like politics, you know, I pay attention to politics a lot because it just frustrates me that there's so many things that could be done better. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so it's just like, you know, I, I spend time on that. <laughs> no, I wouldn't say that politics is relaxing. It's not, it's not helping you to relax. Um, no, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, as at, at this point in your in your startup, what are what are the responsibilities that you mainly take up? 
what 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 do you spend um, your day on? Sure. I mean, mostly it's hiring because we're we're growing and we we just need help on so many fronts. So I spend most of my time hiring, and then I still you know we're like twenty five I think uh, right now, and so we still don't have processes for everything and some of the like more complex legal stuff. I need to be involved and you know review contracts and. and I'm I'm very I like to understand everything that's happening in the company. Uh, maybe I should be delegating that more, but uh, I just I just don't feel comfortable leaving it just to the lawyers. And so I actually, you know, take the time to really understand every every negotiation point that uh, that we're discussing with our large enterprise customers. Yeah. So uh, so I spend time on that. <laughs> But that would be like, you know, the, the, the biggest things would be hiring, uh, you know, complex contracts. And then, of course, like processes. And then, oh, um, I mean, big chunk is communication and especially on the distributed team. Um, you know, we have like regular updates and I, and I make sure that everyone understands what's happening at the company and that, and that, you know, sometimes, and especially if it's distributed teams, and, I, and I've seen this, the, the different teams kind of create their own culture and they uh, there's a danger that like the engineers would start looking down at marketers as like, you know, engineering is the hard shit and uh, stuff. So pardon. Uh, but, uh, and, and, and marketing is the, is the, is the easy stuff. And, and I don't agree with that at all. I think that every part of the company, um, contributes and and I want everyone to understand what's happening and so we we take the time to communicate what's happening what every team is doing and making sure that everyone understands the complexities um, and everyone can come up with ideas how to improve anything anywhere whether it's marketing sales support engineering you know design um, so we so I spend a lot of time on that making sure that that I kind of know who heard what and making sure that everyone's involved yeah. Um, so those would be probably the biggest areas. Yeah. What are, what are the main, main, uh, processes you use or tools you use to do this? We have things like standard meetings. Do you use Slack? Yeah. 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 So we're on Slack. Everything's on Slack. We have uh, regular, regular all hands on a weekly basis. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the weekly, I mean, on, on monthly frequency, the all hands is more detailed and, and longer, and there is kind of like wrap up for every month uh, and, and progress towards the bigger the, the bigger objectives. Uh, but on a weekly basis, you know, it's a little more tactical. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have we have a product call where we discuss product specific things. We have a customer success call. We have a uh, marketing call. So you know all the all the different parts of the business. But then one thing that we started doing that I really like is that every team sends every day a very short daily update into a Slack channel with just a few bullet points of the main things that, uh, that they achieved that day. And, and so that's a way for everyone in the company to quickly read it every day in the morning. I mean, for me, it's in the morning. In Europe, yeah. it's in the afternoon. But to read it and kind of get a pulse of what's happening in the company. Yeah. Um, and I found, and, and it's, it's been really working well. I, I mean, from my perspective, you know, I feel like I know what's happening and, uh, and yeah, 
I highly recommend doing that. Yeah, so that's kind of a like a stand-up meeting, but then on a team level instead of an individual level. Yeah, but it's it's asynchronous, right? So people, when they finish their day, yeah, uh, it's not stand-up meeting in the sense that everyone's in the room and standing and you know kind of. Yeah, but stand-up uh, meetings can be uh, asynchronous as well. Uh, here in the office, we do it synchronous, uh, but you can use a software like Standuply, and you could do hmm. it synchronous, and then you just. Uh, basically do it electronically like you are doing and it tracks your progress over time okay what you've been doing the day before what you're going to do the next day and that way okay up to speed with what's happening what's it called stand up late stand up late yeah they're pretty cool guys i think from greece uh i met them at a few conferences all right yeah i remember i saw this somewhere i'll check it out yeah, it's pretty, we, we also spend a lot of time uh, communicating because it's really important that everybody knows what everybody's up to. Yeah. We work as a team. But you, you mostly talked about communicating, the planning on, on which, on which uh, uh, I mean, what's the schedule for the planning? Do you do it bi-weekly, monthly? Sure, yeah. We, uh, so we have... We have three teams right now. Like we, I, this changes. So on, on big picture, we plan in six week cycles. Yep. And uh, the six week cycle, we always set like big initiatives or objectives that we want to achieve. Mm-hmm. And so, and then the different teams, each team has this one big objective, one big area of focus towards which we prioritize and, and, then, and then plan the tasks. And then, of course, along the line, there's always like a continuous stream running in parallel, like opportunistic picks. I call that initiative, which is something that okay, the you know maybe we'll prioritize something over like higher up as long as it's aligned with the strategy and kind of the direction that we're going. But maybe yeah. we just like switch the order so that goes into the into the prioritization. And then there's also bugs and there's like you know regulatory things, right? That's compliance and uh, now GDPR is, is happening and so so all that stuff is, is running uh, or something that's external like a, a partner of ours is going to be doing a big launch and they need us to, to prepare something so and things often happen at the last minute so that's something that we like then try to squeeze in obviously uh, but the six week cycle it's and, and, then, and then you know product board I mean, duh, right like raising product board so we have we have um all the initiatives side by side in columns. It's like a matrix, right? So you have all the initiatives side by side. And then in rows, you have all the tasks, all the features that we're working on. Mm-hmm. And you see, you see which feature contributes to which, which initiative. And you see whether it's a must have or should have or nice to have. And, and then you also have next to it like columns with progress. And so you have this one big picture view um, of everything that's happening across all the teams. And, and it scales beautifully even if you had, you know, 10 teams, you can just have them side by side and you see it all in one place. Yeah. And you can filter it and you can, you know, of course, like slice and dice it the way you want. Um, but that's how we, how we run it. So everybody can see what, what everybody's up to. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So you, you're working in three locations, you said, or...? Well, right now, technically, we have people in Prague, the Czech Republic, San Francisco, and Boston. Yeah. Um, so Why that's, Boston? that's 
um, we just found a teammate who lives there and she's great. Um, (laughs) so, you know, she, she reached out to us and she's in Boston. So that's, that's the way it is. And, you know, some of the, I mean, I I should add that right now, two of our guys are, two of our, um, developers are in Sri Lanka working remotely. Um, and you know, they're taking some time off, um, as well, but otherwise they're working remotely and, you know, it's kind of like the digital nomad, uh, (laughs) approach. Um, and it's, it's not like they, they do it all the time, but, uh, you know, as long as they commit and deliver, uh, you know, my, my attitude is I don't care where you are in the world. So, so is it, is it different teams that are located in different places? Is development in Prague, customer service in... No. So, so, so I mean, in the, when I said teams, that we have now three teams. So that team is the, the, it's like product management, UX, and engineering together as one team. So, and it's like cross-functional. Ideally, we would have also product marketing on all the teams, but that's a shared function right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then, so that's how I envision to grow the company. You know, we might add a team like that here in the U.S., but it would again be the whole team, product management, engineering, and uh, and uh, like design all all together. <clears throat> I've seen at my previous company, we had the the separation was product management in the U.S. and engineering, um, and some of the design or most of the design in Europe. And, and it's not optimal because um, you need a super short feedback loop within the team. And so I think Zendesk, you know, Zendesk, they did it differently. They, they had the team. They still have, uh, I believe, teams in, in Denmark. And, but they have a whole team there. Uh, or like Intercom, you know, when you talk with Des, you can ask him about it. Like they had a, um, like the onboarding or growth team, I think, here in San Francisco and they had, you know, product management and design and engineering together here. And then other teams like the platform team and, you know, other, the, the, the other products that they have were co-located in Ireland rather than separating it by role, you know, co-locate people by, by teams. Yeah. Got it. So that's, that's how we're going to do it as well. Yeah. And did you start off in Prague and then and then you moved to San Francisco or did, no no I got here no, I got here ten years ago for for my MBA at Berkeley oh, yeah. and then stayed afterwards but I found a co-founder coincidentally I, you know like as how how things are in life right I was a judge of this startup startup uh, competition in Prague years mm-hmm. ago. And I met Daniel uh, there. And then when I started looking for a co-founder, I, you know, I wasn't sure where, um, like location-wise, but uh, I reached out to my network and he said, hey, I'm looking for a new opportunity. I would love to join you and work on this. Yeah. Um, and it started like, you know, I was still at Good Data then. And I posted on Facebook, it's like, a friend of mine is looking for a co-founder or like, you know, <laughs> for his startup, kind of like secretly. Um, and, uh, but then, you know, that, that's how it started. We started working together and, and it just went from there. So Daniel's now in Prague, travel back and forth, but, um, yeah, that's how it's, uh, how it's set up. So you didn't consciously choose the two locations of the company and, and Boston neither. It just happened. Yeah. It's just life. Yeah. It's just life. Uh-huh. Nice.
Let's uh, start wrapping up. Uh, we're almost at, the, at one hour. Um, cool. What is the latest book uh, you've read and why did you choose to read it? Uh, so I'm, I'm reading, I'm kind of like reading multiple books because some I read for enjoyment. So the book Mastery that I, that I, that I just mentioned, I'm almost done with it. It's like mm -hmm. at the very end of it. Uh, and I really liked it. Again, like we talked about it already, but it's so inspirational to hear stories of people who really achieve mastery in their life and lives and you know, like really make things happen. I read a lot of sales books recently. Um, the, here on my desk, I have the sales acceleration formula, which is the story of how they built sales at HubSpot. Um, I, you know, uh, I read i listen to books so that's what i like you know when i go for the run i, I run 5k three times a week and so i, I listen to audiobooks uh and uh let me quickly pull up what's there um yeah so it's like the challenger sale uh the sales yeah. acceleration formula I mentioned um, spin selling sell or uh, sell or be sold so i read all these sales books recently yeah. And then uh, there's some stuff like I haven't read Alibaba, the house that Jack Ma built. So that's, I have this lined up uh, to, to read. Then I found this book, Insanely Simple, which is the obsession that drives Apple success that I haven't read. So I'm, I'm definitely going to read that. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's, mostly, it's mostly business books, um, but I try to sneak in some like more... Uh, like, you know, Sapiens, great book, a brief history of humankind. I read that. That was awesome. Yeah. I still want to read um, it. Yeah. So design books. I bought this book. It's another book that I have on this on my desk. It's called hundred things. Every designer needs to know about people. Mm -hmm. And, and I decided that I'm going to read now for 20 days, like five points every day. And then I'm going to get through it in, in 20 days. Um, so let's see how that goes. I literally brought it yesterday or two days ago. So I, yeah. And I listen to audiobooks like double speed or one and a half or one and three quarters to, to save time, uh, mm -hmm. train my brain to do that. So I, I really enjoyed that. Mm -hmm. Is there anything you wish you'd, you'd have known when you started out? Oh man, there's so many things. Like it's just one thing. Every, uh, one thing. Um, First thing that comes to mind. Um, I don't know. I kind of, I kind of. One thing that I'm still struggling with when I'm hiring people, I always still judge people or like judge, like I evaluate them. Like I think of them as myself and I keep, and I need to keep reminding myself that different roles need different people. Mm -hmm. um, and so I know that this is, this is kind of like a big, 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 big thing, but uh, I mean, this is like, you ask me, so I have like three interviews after, after this call mm -hmm. uh, and, and I'm hiring even like some, some very junior people right out of college. And <laughs> I really need to remind myself what it was like when I was 23 mm -hmm. and you know, everything was new to me because I tend to treat everyone as, um, as equal. And like I, my expectation is that people know a lot of, that they have a lot of experience already. And I just like keep 
need to keep reminding myself, you know, that uh, it's not the case and that uh, <laughs> that people are different in, in, in that sense. And uh, so it's just like, you know, you ask me the first thing that comes to my mind is just like, yeah. because I'm right now in this hiring mode. No, so. it's, it's good advice. Hiring is not, uh, it's not an easy thing to do, to do correctly. Yeah. Uh, in terms of uh, advice also what, what's the best piece of advice you ever got um, I got I remember um, piece of advice that I got uh, is to constantly like build networks and partner with people and just nurture relationships mm-hmm. and that's definitely something that like paid off so much in my life. Um, like, you know, I just mentioned Daniel, my co-founder, right? I met him because I did this free thing, right? Like I'm going to go and judge a startup competition and I stayed in touch with, with people and that's how it happened. Yeah. Um, most, you know, Winston who's here with me, um, you know, building the, 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 the company, uh, we worked together in the previous company and, you know, it's been great and I stayed in touch. Um, and so just the value of, you never know what you're going to do in the future and uh, reaching out to people and staying in touch, nurturing the relationships, um, being kind of a good citizen. Um, that's that's been valuable and i would encourage everyone to do it and and even more so if you're young and starting um it's like the value that your personal network will have for you in the future is so huge and so you should nurture the relationships and you should even not just in your discipline in your you know narrow focus that you have but even outside in different disciplines because it can only create value for you and give you perspective and so I mean, that's, that's the biggest piece. And, uh, you, you take the people that, that you, that, that you value the most with you, uh, from company to company, from team to team. Um, yeah. And friendships, of course, as well, nurture friendships. Mm -hmm. Cool. Thank you for the advice. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) my pleasure. Thanks for doing this. This is this is awesome. I'm I'm, I'm really looking forward to listening to uh, the other interviews. That's it for this episode of Founder Coffee. We hope you liked it. Let the world know if you did. Thanks for listening, guys.